It is uh, a joy and what a celebration to uh, just saturate, be saturated in, uh, in God's grace and uh, in mercy. And as we look uh, at Jonah, uh, first I want to just to recap uh, where we were um, last, uh, last Sunday. And uh, even though I'm sure you all remember every word, just for those that weren't, this wasn't supposed to be funny, Sam, but, um, but uh, for those that, uh, that weren't, a real focus, what really f- comes through as we read of these events, we remember the events of Jonah, is that God is in control. And, and our response to God being in control is just to say, thanks be to God. So every time I say God is in control, you just say, thank God. Okay? God is in control. Now, there will be a time when I'll say God is in control and I'm not even thinking about it. But when I say it, like I just said it then, and you didn't say, thank God. Okay, so God is in control. Thank God. And the reason we thank God is because we see that God is the one who introduces mercy, grace, love, and patience. If it weren't for God, then indeed Darwin would be right. And it would be survival of the fittest. It would be he who has the most wins. But as we've been singing, it is the ones who have the least who lead us with the most. It is the ones who are broken, who are wounded, that truly receive grace and then share it with the rest of us. If, if indeed God wasn't in control, you can say thank God there too. But if indeed God wasn't in control, then it would be the survival of the fittest. We would get what we deserve. Thank God we don't. For we see in Jonah, remembering from last week, God called Jonah, hey, I need you to go over there to the Ninevites, to those people over there so that you can tell them about me. And Jonah said no. And so he went the other way, got on a boat in the opposite direction. God brought a big storm. Jonah finally said, relented and said, listen, guys, this is my deal. Just let me jump overboard. Let me die so that then you can, you can survive. So he jumps overboard. And we're told at the end of what we looked at last week is that then a big fish swallows him in the depths of the ocean and that God sends that big fish to swallow him. He is in the, the deepest of deepest places away. He, he is the world, every, his world is totally out of control. But because God is in control, come on, you guys gotta work with me here. Wake up. Aretha, you took too much energy out of him. Because God is in control, then he sends a rescue to Jonah, who is in the depth of a chaotic situation that he brought on himself. Nobody to blame. 
but Jonah. And yet God rescues him even then. Jonah hasn't repented. Jonah hasn't even called out to God yet. But God still sends a big fish to rescue him. What we're going to do is then look at, with all due respect to Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. Look at uh, some selections from chapter 2, 3, and then chapter 4. See just how God continues to show His sovereign hand over even a disobedient servant like Jonah. Let's pray together. Gracious God, thank You for Your written Word. Speak to us. Lead us. um, Teach us. um, Take what is in our head and move it to our heart um, where it leads us to then move our hands and feet to do Your bidding. We give ourselves to you, to your plans and your purposes. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, so God, in, in the fullness of human freedom, in the fullness of disobedience of Jonah, still directs and leads all entities to fulfill his ultimate plan. And so now Jonah, in the bottom of the ocean, in the belly of a big fish, is in a place only where God could find him. Nobody else could find him there. Only God could rescue him. He has indeed hit bottom and has nowhere to look but up. Chapter 2, verse uh, 7 through 10. The end of his cry to God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. I'm wondering if there are some of you here today who can relate to Jonah with the world spinning out of control and you're sinking to the depths and you find yourself in the belly of a big fish and there's absolutely nowhere to turn and you've done nothing. No one has done this to you. You have done this to yourself. God sees, and God knows, and God wants to rescue. God still loves you. Jesus died for you. And if God can send a big fish to rescue Jonah in the bottom of the sea, He can rescue in the middle of the chaos you got yourself into. And He will, and He wants to. There may be some of you who are leading in that direction. No, you're, you're, you're not so much directly disobeying God as you are just simply doing everything you can to keep Him out of your mind. Keep Him out of your sight. And you know it. 
You know, you, you come here maybe because mom and dad make you or just to put on a facade, but you know in your heart what you're really doing is no different than Jonah. You, know, you can stop now. You don't have to get into a storm. You don't have to jump into the chaos of life. You can stop now and, 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 and trust and believe and, and repent and turn to God. You don't have to get rescued by the, in the belly of a big fish. But sad to say, at least the folks in the 12-step programs tell us, we don't usually respond then. It usually takes us to hit bottom and have nowhere to look but up before we really turn to God and receive His grace and mercy that He's ready to give to us now. So Jonah, the bottom in the fish, eventually cries out to God and and God has the fish then spit him out onto the shore. Chapter 3, verse 1, we see, see what happens. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, in verse 2, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. Now, this is good news right here. Yet, that Jonah, it could have been that God said, Okay, Jonah, go home. You blew it. You know, I can use somebody else to do this. I saved you from the fish, but now you're calling your second rate. No. That is not the case. Even though Jonah in direct disobedience, God is now saying, okay, that calling I had on you, it's still on you. Matter of fact, now you might even be able to do it better. He doesn't. We'll see that later. But the same for us. Whatever our direct disobedience even to God may be, He's still ready and willing to use us to fulfill His plans and purposes. Verse 10. Jonah, here's the call. He then goes and does it. And and believe it or not, the Ninevites, they they repent. Verse 10. When God saw what they, the Ninevites, did, now they turned from their evil ways. God changed His mind about the calamity that He had said He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. God is in control. God is in control. That is the only way that a disobedient prophet can be saved by such a radical form, taken to such a godless people, they proclaim the word of truth, and then they all respond by repenting. The whole city responds in repentance. I mean, this is the time where the angels start throwing a party. This is the time where we start singing and dancing because this is the very purpose that God has called for all of His people. To be about sharing His good news so that others might repent and turn and then receive His mercy and grace. Aren't you ready just to read the next chapter because there you're going to see a party breaking out and Jonah just celebrating and dancing saying, this was my life calling. This is what I wanted to do. Praise God. God is in control. Thank God. I mean, isn't that how you would respond if that happened, right? Isn't that what what we want? The very purpose that we are here. But that's not what Jonah does. 
chapter 4. But this was very displeasing to Jonah. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is not this what I said while I was still in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. Aha! We find out now why he went the other way. It wasn't because he didn't like the food. It wasn't because it was going to mess up his life where he was. It was because he hated the Ninevites. He despised them. And he knew, he knew in his head, he had the right idea about who God is. And he just knew that if he went and told them the good news, that God would relent. And he wanted them to burn. I mean, he knows. Verse, uh, where were we? Back to verse 2. For I knew... And it's, this is the greatest truth of the passage. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. Isn't that a great phrase? That God is, is ready. He's on the edge of heaven. He's ready to relent from punishing. He bring, finds no joy in punishing. He's ready for people to repent. Ready to pounce on that. And Jonah knew it in his head. It shows just how far we still have to travel. Even if we have the right ideas in our head. He knew it in his head. But he had no clue in his heart. And so it had no impact. On his hands and feet. I mean the reason he went to obey God. Was to save his own skin. It had nothing to do with mercy and grace. Again, what a powerful sign that God is in control. Because He can use even someone who's got mixed up motives, whose heart is not where it needs to be. He can use even them. Even us. <laughs> Uh, there's always some in a crowd that go out of turn. <laughs> but maybe I think they're listening to God beyond me. So, amen to you, Michael. Jonah wants grace for himself. He wants God for himself, but he really doesn't want it for those he despises. Now, granted, he had good reason to despise Nineveh. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was the big bully on Israel, the, the northern part of the kingdom of, of Israel. They were the, the big bully. And if they needed more money, then they came to Israel and surrounded them with their troops and said, we need more money to do our stuff, so you're going to give it to us. And they would give them some tax. So he hated them. Eventually, the Assyrians came in and destroyed Israel. Took them captive. So Jonah had every reason to hate them. But what Jonah was, we would call today as a, a racist or a nationalist, and we'd call him wrong. That he did not have in his heart, even then, the fullness, the wideness, the breadth of God's mercy and grace. 
Indeed, it is a joy that God is in control and we aren't. Because our natural instincts and the ways of the world are not ways of grace and mercy. They are are ways of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. You get what you deserve. Karma. That's the way the world would be. Matter of fact, I don't understand. I have have trouble visualizing that pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Anybody know where that came from? Tell me. Tell me later, Laura. Because that's not the way of God. What, What Jonah said was so true. God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. You see it with the sailors, God's grace and mercy to those pagan sailors. We see it with the Ninevites. Right? They, they do not deserve God. They are not. They're, they're pagan. They're polytheistic. They got a bunch of gods. They do not worship the God of Yahweh, the God of creation. And yet God sees them in their lostness and wants to rescue them. And He sends a word and they respond all by God's grace and mercy. Even with Jonah, we see His grace. Even then, that is even the the greater grace and mercy in my opinion. That, That Jonah is sitting there hating the Ninevites and that's why He doesn't go to them. And yet God still loves and teaches Jonah. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city, sat down east of the city, and made a booth for himself there. doesn't say this, but I'm sure he pouted. He sat under its shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. Maybe, just maybe, they, they wouldn't really repent and they would, they would turn to their own ways and he'd get to see God destroy him. Then we're told, the Lord God appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. I wrote in my Bible there, what a spoiled brat. I mean, really, I would just say, you're out, bye, go up to bed, no dinner for you, man, maybe I'll see you in the morning. But God Still in grace and mercy. God who is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent from punishing. Says to Jonah, verse 9, Is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, yes, angry enough to die. Man. Then the Lord said, You are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city 
in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left. And also, many animals. I think he threw that last part about the animals in because of the bush. You're so cared about, so worried about this one bush. Why don't you at least worry about the cattle that are roaming around, let alone the 120,000 people for that, which I created, whom I love, and for whom Jesus will die. As Chris said earlier, where's, where's your Nineveh? Where's the place, the uncomfortable place that God's calling you to be good news? The scary place. The place where there are mean people, different people. People you can't relate to. People you don't like. And God's calling you to go there. It could be easy for us, for it simply be some of the people around us in our neighborhood that we don't know. People who have uh, tried to break into the church building. Just this week, you know, tried to crash in the garage door in the garage over on the other side of the parking lot. Then took spray paint and painted it all over the driveway. Could be people, those, or some of the other people that have, were coming into the church building to get water and use the bathroom. And there, the police told us, they would drop drugs. And they would leave. And some other people would then come in to pick up those drugs. And others up, up and down the, the avenue who are either selling drugs or selling their bodies. Caught up in all kinds of wickedness. Don't even know their left hand from their right. It'd be really easy to say, who are those people? Just where, where are they coming from and what are they doing? Don't they respect this property? Don't they respect us? Don't they know God? It'd be really easy to look at them with the same eyes that Jonah did. Instead of the eyes of Jesus. who sees folks who are lost, don't know who their right hand is from their left, who are broken and don't even know it, who are out of control and think they're in control. And for us to then miss out on a great opportunity of doing the work of Jonah with the heart of Jesus. And isn't it awesome? Really? Isn't this awesome? I mean, that, that we don't have to go anywhere. We don't have to go to Nineveh. God's brought Nineveh to us. And that's, and, it, and it's awesome. I mean, with, with Christ's community, we, we, we reach out to the kids in the community with the block party, like we said, with Treehouse, Whiz Kids, Youth Impact, Teen Impact. So many ways that God has, has brought us to, to have pathways that, that Nineveh can be with us. We don't have to go anywhere. We can still sleep in our own bed with our own pillow. <laughs> yes. 
Somebody needs a new pillow over here. <laughs> Where's your Nineveh? May not be here. It may may be where where you work. It, it may be in the neighborhood in which you live. It may be something long in your past. But we know the story of Jonah. We don't have an option. Because God is in control. I didn't say it with quite the energy there. (laughs) And also, who are the Jonas in your life? I mean, it's not just in the College Hill neighborhood. I don't know if you saw the article this week in the, the east side neighborhoods, crime's gone up 70%. You know the basic thing that happens in any major urban area. People that move do. And people that can't don't. And we have said as a church throughout our history when, that we're not moving. We are staying because we want to be Jonah with the heart of Jesus. Now, don't take a big brush. Everybody that moves may be called to where they move. But those of us that are here in this particular church, expression of God's church, isn't. Because we hear God's call with Jonah and we're ready to be, to fulfill God's Jonah call with the heart of Jesus. I mean, just this week, I saw a message from someone who was part of the church maybe 10 years ago and said, you know, I hadn't driven through College Hill in 10 years. Man, it looked like a war zone. To the sense that I, how I heard it was, well, glad I made it out when I did. To which then God told me, remember I had grace on Jonah. Do you have grace on this person? We are situated perfectly to connect with those who can't leave and to connect with those who have and did. And in the church of of Jesus Christ to to be a, a bridge builder there in our own city. And it takes grace and mercy in our own hearts on both sides. To the Ninevites and to the Jonas. You know, I read this week that, uh, do a survey, you know, college students. uh, This was through the University of Michigan. And uh, they surveyed college students and have been doing this for like 40 years. And over the course of the last 20, 30 years, the level of empathy that students profess that they share towards others in need has decreased 40%. That it is, it is not a part of our culture to have empathy, sympathy, to, to feel merciful towards another. 
They give all kinds of reasons. Maybe it's because, you know, well, they always blame video games. I think it's sort of an easy whipping boy. I don't know what it is, but I do know that's not about Jesus. The work of God is to develop in us the heart of Jesus that is slow to anger, that is quick to relent from punishing steadfast love and abounding in mercy. Where is your Nineveh? Where is our Nineveh? Praise the Lord that that God has entrusted us with a message that we can go to Nineveh. That we can receive Nineveh and we can share with them that mercy and grace, that love because we believe that God is in control. Who are the Jonas that are around you who are hearing God's call but not following it? Or if they do follow it, they follow it in their head but not their heart. God grants them mercy and grace too. And maybe the Jonah you see is the Jonah you see when you look in the mirror. whether it's Nineveh, whether it's relating to our Jonas, in every way, God is in control. Thank God. Amen.